0: I am Katina Horton, the Love and Freedom Toxic Relationship Recovery Coach. And today I want to talk about having a sense of satisfaction by seeing the narcissist go down. Okay. It's tempting to look at the narcissist and then to kind of have this deep sense of satisfaction like, oh, they got what they what, what was owed to them, so to speak. And then it's also tempting to look at them and then think where well, at least I don't have uh the same addictions that they have. And then not just even with looking at the narcissist, but just with people in general. A lot of times we like to compare our sins to other people's sins so we can feel better about what it is that we're in. And also so we can feel like we're qualified to judge other people. You see what I'm saying? And so what happens is we often think that our sins are not so bad. Because, and especially when it comes to addictions, because we have different addictions than the other person and, or because we're not in at a deeper level or didn't do it as long. You know, the length of time wasn't as long as that other person did, if that makes sense. So say for instance, if you were on drugs and you were strung out for six months and then another individual that you know could be the narcissist, right? where someone else, you know, they were on drugs and they probably, uh, it took them 15 years to get delivered or maybe they haven't gotten delivered and they're still on drugs, uh, still involved in drug and alcohol addictions. And so in that sense, you can be, you know, you have this sense of like, oh, look, you know what I'm saying? Look at me, I'm all this and that and the other because I'm, you know, not the same length of time as that person. And so you can start to kind of feel some type of sense of like, I guess I would say superiority, long story short. However, what happens is that, and that's natural as human beings, you want to try to find a way to make yourself look better. And what we often forget though, is that when it comes to that society's view, okay, that's the world's view of how things should run. All you have to do is, uh, if it's not one of the three cardinal sins, then uh, your sin is Way better, right? (laughs) On a higher scale, so to speak, than somebody else is sin, right? And then you also look at like, okay, the frequency of it. You can say that you're better, right? So that's another thing you compare the frequency, the length of time you've been in it, and if it's considered one of the three cardinal sins, or if it's something that's worse. Oh, well, you know what? If it's lying and gossiping, it's not so bad, you know, as drugs and alcohol addiction. If it's uh, shopping is not so bad as drug and alcohol addictions. Addictions are addictions. And when it comes to God's eyesight, sin is sin. Right. And so when it comes to the narcissist and just for me talking to different women and getting kind of like that, uh, view of what goes on, so to speak, seeing the forest, narcissists, a lot of times they have drug addictions. They have alcohol addictions. They have sex addictions. They have porn addictions And they have all other kind of addictions as well, right? But those four are usually at the top. So it's easy for you as a person, easier rather, healing from narcissistic abuse to say, well, look at all those addictions they had, you know, and I've only got these few. Now, remember we talked about it before. The women who have been in narcissistic abusive relationships, right? You have a lack cycle that you've gone through. And the lack cycle means you've got for addictions going on. Some women have only three and it's only three if you were able to get out of it and apply what you've learned, right? And so life application is basically applying wisdom. Now, if you don't take <laughs> the knowledge you've got, right, whatever you've learned and not apply it, then that means that it becomes a knowledge addiction, okay? So we've got the lack cycle and that's love approval, and then you've got comfort, and then you've got knowledge addiction, right? And so you might think that I'm above the narcissist who has what? Drug, alcohol, sex, porn, and who knows whatever else, right? It might be a mishmash of those things. So you might think that you're above that person. But when it comes to God's eyesight, sin is sin. Addiction is addiction, right? And the addictions basically are soul ties, right? Right? There's soul ties in our souls and it started as unchecked cravings. And whenever you have an unchecked craving, that unchecked craving leads to what? Lust. And it, that means it's leading to a lust for in your soul. The lust for in your soul changes over to a took for. And then the took for that's in your soul changes over to you going through a soul tie door that's when you know you have a full-on addiction, okay? And so, like I said, it's better, we feel it's better if we can kind of do like we do with numbers in math. When you were in school, you got the greater than in grammar school, we learned about what? Having a greater than and less than, right? Or equal to, right? <laughs> so you got these two numbers and you're trying to say that's just five and seven. And you're trying to decide whether it's the greater than or less than. In society, we like to do that when it comes to our relationships with people, we like to feel, we glory in the fact that we can have a greater than or less than, right? We like to have greater than when it comes to sins, greater than when it comes to our uh, material possessions, to the schools we've uh, attended, universities, uh, the neighborhoods we live in, the cars we drive. I mean, the extracurricular activities that our uh, children are participating in, I don't care what it is, we like to have the greater than. So we can feel superior, right? We're in the one up position. There's no one up and one down position when it comes to God. The ground is level at the cross. And we forget about that. We're all in need of a savior, right? And so when you get that lack cycle, you got the love approval, comfort, and knowledge addictions, right? And so you have to partner up with the Holy Spirit and releasing those addictions, right? And then some of you, you entered the relationship with the narcissist. When you enter that, upon entering that relationship, you already had love and approval addictions. The love and approval addictions came from the seed of not, of uh, rejection. I was about to say seed of knowledge. <laughs> Don't we wish? The love and approval addictions came from the seed of rejection, Right? And that seed of rejection was from your family's love story garden. And then every other relationship that you were in, you, uh, obtained a seed of rejection from, right. You got, you ended up basically injuring re-injuring, I guess I would say that, uh, wound that rejection wound that's inside of your soul from every other relationship that you were in because that seed of rejection went unchecked, Right. And so that's how it turned into love and approval addiction. So you went into that narcissistic uh, abusive relationship with your narcissist, right? You went in there with love and approval addictions. You got to the phase of the devaluation stage, right? And in that stage, what happened is that you ended up uh, adopting, I guess I would say, comfort addictions. And you might say, well, where did the comfort addiction come from? It's because you were in extreme sadness. And this extreme sadness is long known as languishing, where you were overwhelmed. You were in an extremely needy state. Your needs had gone unmet for so long. You had been living with false hope that was based upon future faking. And so your soul got tied up in that. So you were so uh, tied in trauma bond from being taken to the penthouse, from the penthouse to the basement over and over again, right? So you were trauma bonded and soul tied. And so you're languishing. You at the point of languishing in that devaluation phase. And so what you ended up doing was you started uh, adopting these comfort addictions in your soul, right? And those comfort addictions could have been uh, eating. It could have been shopping. It could have been drinking a little bit. It could have been smoking, whatever. It could have been um, watching Inappropriate shows on TV. And then sometimes comfort addictions can actually be things that are good. It's not necessarily bad things, it could be good things. But you know that it's become a comfort addiction because you've done it so much that when you come out of it to take a break, all of a sudden it's like I call it the uh, giant drop. Your uh, insides drop, so to speak. And then your soul is like, in a state of spiritual depression, that's how you know, nine times out of 10, this has become what you, what I was using to comfort me actually became a numbing out. And then it turned into a comfort addiction where you want to do it over and over again. And so, like I said, so when you go back to looking at you and the narcissist, you often feel like I qualify to, um, I guess I would say be in the one-up position because he has all of this going on, and he's got the spirit of narcissism. But I don't have that. And when we look at it in those terms, we want to. We that's when we start to put ourselves in a superior position. When we look at it in terms of nine times out of ten, every human being has experienced some type of trauma, and what happens is that that trauma became a portal. Okay, that trauma became a porter portal, so to speak for personality disorders and certain spirits to come in. And that spirit of narcissism is the main spirit that's running the show. And then you've got all these other spirits that go along with the spirit of narcissism. You've got a spirit of judging, spirit of backbiting, a spirit of divisiveness, a spirit of discord, a spirit of judgmentalism, a spirit of condemnation, a spirit of criticizing, a spirit of deception, a spirit of lying, uh, the spirits just can keep going on and on that those individuals are infected with. But for some kind of way, you figure, well, I just got the love, approval, comfort, and knowledge addiction. So mine is not that bad compared to what he has. And then even if it's a person that's not a narcissist, a lot of times we just feel like we can gloat in the fact that our sins are not as bad as someone else's. We've become judged. We've made ourselves judge, And we've only got one judge and that judge is God. And so when we cross that line, then we can feel better about our own sins and our own undealt with brokenness and unresolved trauma. And that's not the stance that the Lord wants us to take. Right. And so what happens is when it become when we have those comfort addictions, those comfort addictions are basically any people, places, uh, things, and, or ideas that we use to comfort us, Uh, when we are hurting and in pain, and it's nothing wrong with using some of those things, but when we use them to the excess of numbing out and then them leading to depression, that's how we know it's a comfort addiction. And hopefully I'm making sense, right? And so then the knowledge addiction comes in when you've read every single book that there is, okay? (laughs) I mean, every book that there is. And then you've uh, taken every single course, And then you've watched every YouTube video, TikTok video, Instagram video, Facebook video, and whatever else video on narcissism and toxic traits and uh, toxic relationships. So you've learned everything, right? You went out to Google and searched everything, but you still won't do anything with what it is you've learned. That's when it becomes a knowledge addiction. You can't stop learning about it. And yet at the same time, (laughs) you're not doing anything. So you're staying in that relationship and then you've gotten to the point where you've compromised your values and integrity. You'll start signing up for doing like, for inviting a third or fourth person into the situation. You see what I'm saying? And then, so what happens is you've gotten to the discard phase of this relationship, right? And when you in the discard phase, you'll know it because there's a super shift in a relationship like you've never felt before. You would notice that person is just like, slowly pulling away from you and you can't even describe it. I mean, it's like a slow burn, but it's painful and you feel it and you're like, mm, I know he he's had a lot of affairs before, but this is different. So when you're in that phase, you will know it, right? And so what happens is not only is there a main new supply that he's got ready to switch over from you to that supply, but he has also had three or four side chicks, so to speak, along with that supply. Those side chicks originally started out as his friends, got to the point where he had, he disarmed them. They shared probably childhood trauma with him, and then it moved on to the next level, right? So he's got all of this going on, and you are at this point feeling a slow, steady pulling away, right? And then you ask him, okay, are you, you know, he'll say to you actually, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about leaving uh, the marriage. I'm thinking about leaving this relationship and I'm just trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And you're sitting there with your mouth open, although you had already seen the writing on the wall, so to speak. Right. So then, you know, this goes on for a few months and then you may ask him a few times, you know, I don't like mention to him. I don't like being in this situation. So, you know, when are you going to decide what you're going to do? Do you think you're going to leave? Or do you know, And then it's arrogantly, yeah, I'm leaning towards it. I'm I'm leaning towards leaving this relationship. And so what happens is this arrogance is so high. He's so high up on the mountaintop with this arrogance. And I like uh, Dr. Darius Daniels of it. He says, arrogance is nothing but insecurity dressed up. So he's at such an arrogant stage at this point, okay? He's in that state, an arrogant state of mind at a certain part of the discard. And he will let you know arrogantly, you know. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm leaning toward. I'm thinking about doing it. And so what happens is that uh that arrogance is going to be brought down by God. It's not for you to try to take vengeance on, although at the time, <laughs> just being honest, your feelings are going to be all over the place. That's gonna be what's in your mind. However, we have to remember what the scripture says, vengeance is mine, said the Lord, right? And the scripture in Obadiah one, he says, and this speaks exactly to the narcissist and his state of mind in that discard phase. Your arrogant heart has deceived you. You who live in clefts of the rock in your home on the heights who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? Though you seem to soar like an eagle and make your nest among the stars, even from there, I will bring you down. This is the Lord's declaration. And so it's not our job or anyone's job. Right, to try to take vengeance upon a narcissist or any other toxic individual in your life is for you to leave that to God. And when you look at scripture, you have Haman who set up a gallows to have Mordecai hung and then to have all of these other Jews killed, right? Haman was one of those six friends that I talked about last week, right? He was a micro uh, aggressor and a narcissist. He had two of those, right? And so what happened was he ended up getting killed on those same gallows he had set up to have Mordecai hung on. Then you look at Jezebel who was killed by her flying monkeys. It was like two or three eunuchs that looked down at Jehu and they threw her out the window, right? They joined Jehu's side. Then you've got her husband, good old King Ahab, who decides to go into battle with King Jehoshaphat. And at the last minute throw King Jehoshaphat under the bus, right? But he himself was killed. That's what happened to King Ahab. So what happens is usually either, as I've talked about it before, when it comes to narcissistic individuals, either they hang themselves, so to speak, as the scripture talks about the the, uh, pit you dig for yourself, you fall into. So either they hang themselves or, (laughs) and or, because it could be a combination their uh, flying monkeys will do the hanging. The people who are being brainwashed by them are sick and tired of them, but because they are fused to them through that spiritual and toxic energy, they don't know what to do, but they are being controlled by this individual. They're sick and tired. After a while, they'll band together. So between them banding together and the narcissist hanging himself, that's usually how they end, right? And in the scripture, it says pride goes before destruction. But like I said, it's not up to us to try to vindicate ourselves. It's up for to you guys, to you ladies to uh, heal, to focus on healing, to focus on moving forward, to focus on moving ahead and not on how you can get back at uh, your ex-narcissistic partner, right? And so God will take care of your healing and uh, whatever, I guess I would say happened as a result of, uh, uh, he'll help to take care of your healing, right? Your unresolved trauma, and then whatever other undealt with brokenness and other residue that's in your soul that you might not be aware of. I'll put it, put it that way. Okay. And so what happens is that when we have unresolved trauma, it leaves emotional, mental, spiritual, uh, and physical, our beings open as portals. And that's how a lot of times those spirits of narcissism are able to come and enter in, right? What happens is those narcissistic individuals, including your narcissistic exes, became puppets on the string for Satan, right? They became puppets on the string themselves. And so what happens is those individuals are being controlled by demonic spirits and they don't even realize it themselves. Anytime you can have somebody to smile in your face and turn around and cuss somebody else out like that, back and forth and Jekyll and Hyde and back and forth, that is not of God. That is a spirit that is controlling them, right? And I just wanna le- let you know that you can heal. You don't have to spend all of your focus on worrying about what is going to happen to the narcissist, right? Whether you are going to be vindicated. You'll be vindicated by healing, Right? walking in wholeness, and then empowering and impacting other women, right? So that they can do the same. Again, I'm Katina Horton, the Love and Freedom Toxic Relationship Recovery Coach. Until next time.
1: I refined. More than I could have known you turn those valleys into places to learn instead of burn and perish away in nights never so cold without his grace. How could I say? That I've seen the world from His great love How could I know what He could love? How would I've seen what He had in store for me If I didn't give up and let Him be my alley of grace Where things would change Maybe they take up the cross high again The valley of grace Never was the same After he had died The love that refines.